Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patented half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So, Kristen, you were at APOR last week. It you, was so much fun. Was it fun? Did you meet some of our listeners? I met lots of our listeners. I met some of our listeners who were not even there for the conference but live in the Denver area Whoa. and came on out to Yard House. Uh, it so was cool. wonderful to see everybody show up. In fact, my tweet of a I took a we took a picture of all of us crammed into this booth at Yard House and it was the most liked tweet of any tweets using the APOR hashtag that is this year's awesome. conference. So I was I felt kinda proud of that. Polsters Nation taken over. Yeah, you got an award. You could say you're, you know, an APOR award winning pollster. <laughs> That's, that's how it works. A stretch. No, that's fine. I think that's fine. As your political, as one of your many political advisors, I would say you could totally do that. <laughs> that would fly. But I, I, we learned there were so many really interesting panels. There were moments when you'd be sitting there in a room watching someone present a paper, and you'd look around, and it was it was pollsters nation live on ice. Just I mean it was there were so many of our friends of the show, people we've interviewed, the people we love on Twitter who were always promoting their stuff all in the same room. I said clients. If this did, well so Apor is less about clients actually. One of my clients was there. One of my at least one of my clients there was are, there. There are there are But usually of it's folks. mostly like, you know, colleagues, potential employees. Like APOR is a conference where, Advisors. unlike if you go, campaign pollsters will often go to the like political consultants conferences, you know, where they you can schmooze with other people who are campaign consultants and pitch your services there. At APOR, I'm less pitching my own services than being pitched to right. by companies that have cool new panels that they're rolling out or new methodologies or call centers or whatever. And uh, so it's it's a lot of fun. You pick up some some interesting swag. Um, but also, I, I later in the show, I would love to talk a little bit about some of the cool things that I learned at APOR because um, yeah. there were some really interesting papers that hopefully I cannot totally bore the audience, but give uh, some like a brief summary of the, the implications for the polling industry of the new cool research that's okay. been done. Sweet. All right. So what are the rest of the top lines? Uh, so the rest of the top lines, uh, Trump's job approval is around 44 percent, and it's incredibly stable. We'll take a look at some more data on Marjorie's polling project on investigations around the president. And we'll also take a look at how Americans view the president's role in the economy and in the midterms. Do the bases of the parties want this to be a referendum on Trump or do they want it to be about their progressive or conservative agendas? And should the Republican Party break out the champagne over the first big poll, showing them with a generic ballot lead? Then it's always Infrastructure Week, so we'll talk a little bit about polling on infrastructure. And finally, it's the Indy 500 coming up this weekend for Memorial Day. 
I always think of racing and the poles because there's the pole position is the name right. of the first first slot in qualifying. So anyhow, we'll talk about um, who who watches uh, IndyCar racing. Right. I wonder how many people have stumbled onto the pollsters thinking it's about car racing. Probably not that many. <laughs> but we, we, we can bill ourselves as like the car talk of polling. That's true. If we if we like allow more people to send like send I us I am any the official pollster uh, of Car Talk, right? Mar Margie Overe, they had house statistician. I know I've said this before. House <laughs> statistician Margie Overe like once a year somebody would like email me or call me and ask me a question about Car Talk because that's like the closing credits of Car Talk. <laughs> that like Car Talk I had to send out a tweet like that she does not work for Car Talk. It's just a coincidence. <laughs> it's just a joke, Margie of Error. Anyway, okay. So, but first, you know, we always turn to Ariel Edwards-Levy for some lulls, L-O-L-Z. And so they did a poll or they did a couple polls to see can you use polling to settle big raging debates and some of them are like I don't want to say they're serious but some of them more serious than others this Yanni or Laurel I refuse to spend the 30 seconds required yeah, don't it's kind of dumb it's like, not as cool as the dress was I, I was just like you know what I got too much to do whatever this is it can't possibly be worth my time. So I refuse out of principle. But the polls show that people under 30 were way more likely to hear Yanny and older folks were more likely to hear Laurel. I don't know why that is. It's There's something about, well, first of all, there is definitely truth to the idea that the older you are, the different range of frequencies you can hear. Mm. I remember there was a, and you can still find it on YouTube, a thing that would like tell you what your age was based on which tones you could hear. And it would play. It would say like, if you are fifty, you can hear this. If you are forty-five, you can hear this. If you are forty, you can hear this. And it would, like the the pitch would get higher and higher. And there was a point where, you know, I think I was like twenty-nine at the time, and I could hear when they said like, oh, if you're thirty or under, you can hear this. And I heard it. And then they played the like, twenty-five and under, and I was like. Uh, I don't think it I think it's just trolling me like I don't I don't hear anything and our intern came in from the other room and was like what are you guys doing and I was like okay wait a minute like tell me when you hear something and like he could hear the thing that huh. I was like it's it doesn't sound like anything's coming out of my speakers I don't understand this so Whoa. I wonder if there is science behind the tones in Yanni versus Laurel or maybe it's something about the names which names are more familiar I don't know I didn't listen to the thing so I don't know but also it could be a response set because there are real age difference for, differences for all these things so whether uh. in my humble whether I M H O is in my humble opinion or in my honest opinion. Younger people are a lot more likely to say, in my honest opinion. Older people are more likely to say, in my humble opinion. I don't know why that is. I Even thought it was humble opinion. I thought it was humble opinion, too. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Why? Why is this an age difference? I don't even, I, I don't it's know. It's not a sandwich. It's, you know, a thing on meat on bread. I don't know. I, I mean. But the construction of it, it's an open, I mean, I guess. An, like a banh mi is a sandwich and that has a baguette. I don't know. But anyway, that's not really relevant. I'm sure no one is coming <laughs> to their conclusion that way. But anyway, younger people are way more likely to say a hot dog is not a sandwich. Older people are more likely to say a hot dog is a sandwich. If I had to guess, I would have guessed the reverse. I don't know. The whole thing is confusing. And then this one is the next one is like kind of not in the same league as the others, which are basically meaningless. Like whether or not you should have one or two spaces after a period is actually important. And, you know, so every everybody has like different style guides, right? I have long ago moved to one space because mm. 
We don't use typesetting anymore. It just looks jarring. At my firm, we use one space, and I'm like grumbling, like, okay, I'm just going to have to go to one space. Or sometimes if I'm the last person to see it, I'm just like, I'm going to do a search, and everything's going to have one space, and we're not going to have two spaces. So the firm does two spaces. I prefer one space. But then there was something in the post saying it should be one space. But I don't know. Maybe people are just trolling everybody by even writing a piece on it because everyone knows this gets people worked up. But there is an age difference here, too, where young people say one space and older people are divided because it used to really be two spaces because you needed it, I guess, as a place where you would do line editing or for typesetting. I mean, there were reasons there were like old-timey technology reasons that you don't need to do it anymore. And so... That's why I, this one makes sense that there's an age I difference. am on the wrong side of the, the younger respondents on every question in this study. <laughs> uh, young people say Yanni, and I heard Laurel the first time I did it. Uh, young people say, in my honest opinion, I think it's in my humble opinion. Young people, the only question on which I agree with my generation is the is a hot dog a sandwich question. <laughs> Period spacing, I'm a two-spacer, so I am... It's like I you don't even know millennials per- at all, Kristen. I know, I know. Uh, how do you pronounce GIF? Oh, yeah, that's... Nobody right. thinks you pronounce it GIF. Everybody's picking GIF. Yeah, you think it's GIF? I used to think it was GIF, and then a couple of years ago was persuaded that it was GIF. Hmm. And so I have been on the GIF train ever since. But I could go back. I used to say GIF. I think I think GIF just sounds like the peanut butter too much for me. With lack of any other guidance, GIF is like its own word. Nobody else has GIF. Well, you have public uh, opinion on your side. <laughs> Congratulations. Hooray. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally, I can be accepted. <laughs> okay, so enough of that. So here are some things that are actually truly controversial. Some things that are really (laughs) controversial. Um, So at Aport, you know, I love going to Aport every other year. I don't go every year. I wish I could, um, but I mostly I try to go every other year, and I really like going in election years because at that point in time you've had enough time to dig into the data from the last election. It's not rushed. It's you've you know voter files are all updated. You've had time to crunch a lot of things. Uh, so this APOR, you know, lots of interesting papers about the 2016 election. Now, last year they did roll out the what went wrong right. task force report that I, I believe the conclusion was in the blue wall states there were not enough people being surveyed who didn't have college degrees and that you you fix that, you fix the polls. Um, but this year they were still tackling a lot of um, other challenges. That report written by, co-written by like a whole bunch of people who've been on the pollsters. Yes, by the way. yes. Uh, so this year there were a ton of interesting papers presented, one by um, – uh, some some strategists, uh, so Kevin Collins, like there were a, cu- a couple folks from from the left side of the aisle who presented a really interesting paper on, and I'm going to butcher my description of this, but it's like a new thing called Earth. It's it's new in political science and polling called Earth Mover Distance. It's a it's a computer science concept, but basically it's about figuring out like how how far does something deviate from what you would expect. Um, so if you plot out the age by party breakdown of your survey 
and you look at a chart of it and then you look at a chart of what it should be based on what we know from, you know, broader Mm -hmm. population levels. How far away does your distribution bend? Mm -hmm. The idea is, you know, right now we we figure out is there bias in a sample kind of looking at things like one variable at a time. Right. Do you have too many Democrats? Do you have too few young people? Do you have too few people with a college education? What they're suggesting is that actually It's the interaction of variables that matters more. So you can have a sample that has the right number of Republicans and the right number of old people, but all your old people might be Democrats and all your young people might be Republicans. And so if you just look at one variable, your poll looks fine. But if you look at the relationship between the variables, it would be clear that your poll is massively not right. Right. So, again, I'm probably butchering this concept. I'm trying to make it as consumable as possible for our non- super polling nerd listeners. So that's um, a weighting based on what the individual it's demographic. Not about, it's not necessarily about weighting so much as a measure of a measure of uh, whether your sample is, is representative mm. enough. And they took about 15 different polls where the data sets were publicly available and mm-hmm. looked at all of them, like all of their cases age by uh, age by party to see how they all looked. And so, some of the panels like Pew's American Trends panel – they have a very different political makeup of their young sample than like a survey monkey survey mm. or a YouGov survey. You know, it's it kind of neat being someone who studies a lot of what do young people's political views look like? I mean, which panel you choose is in some ways going to give you a different answer just because the party makeup of right. their samples is a little different right, right. based on age. So the other papers that were interesting, Anthony Salvanto and his colleagues at CBS have done a cool analysis of who doesn't take their polls. Um, now, you know, you can take a – okay, we called 80,000 numbers. And of those 80,000 numbers, 10,000 people took a survey or, you know, maybe even less than that. You know, we can know the party ID and such of the people who took the survey. But we don't know about the people who didn't except right. now we can because right. you can take those phone numbers and match them back to the mm-hmm. voter file and say, oh, these pe- people that didn't pick up – these are Republican households. These are Democratic households. These are mixed households. These are independent households, whatever that looks like. And they found that it was not the case that Republican households were sitting out the polls, mm-hmm. which is really good news because the whole uh, missing Trump voter theory, like one of those theories is that Republicans just aren't taking polls. They weren't taking them before because they didn't want to talk to pollsters. And now they think we're all fake news and they don't want to answer them. And the the good news is that's not the case. And that's using recent data, not just 2016 data, or it was 20, or it was how far back did they? So I'm, I'm actually Sorry, not I'm sure. No, like, it's okay. I'm trying to remember. What's on page three, Kristen? I was that tweeting out <laughs> pictures of their slides, so I'm trying to tap into my like Sherlocky <laughs> photographic memory here. Right. Um, I, I know that there was also a study from the Reuters Ipsos folks, which did look at post 2016 mm-hmm. data. They had done – so they have this panel, and we'll talk about Reuters Ipsos in a little bit because they have the poll that's really good for Republicans, uh, has good news for Republicans all of a sudden. Um, what they did was they they go back and they re-interview people. They say, OK, where were you here? Now they'll come back to you in a couple of months. Hey, you want to take a survey again? Come back in a couple of months. Hey, you want to take a survey again? Right. And they were trying to figure out – are there times when re- the Republican respondents are just less likely to take a poll? Like when you see Trump's job approval is down, is it because the Republicans are just checking out and saying like, no, I think I'm not going to take a poll this month. Right. Things are crazy. And what they found was that wasn't the case, that in fact it was the easiest to get 
conservative Republicans to retake the sample, that they mm. actually had to work harder to get non-Republicans mm. to participate in subsequent waves. Interesting. So, it, which is not to say that the... And that could be just from demographic variables that are differences between the parties in terms of who's easier to find. It's much opposed... easier to get an older white respondent right. who is retired right. and a... hanging out on their computer all day to right. take a survey than someone who's young and harder to reach. Right. As opposed to, like, I'm doing this poll because I love Trump or I'm doing this, not doing this poll because of whatever something other some other Trumpy reason when it could just be the demographic variables that you know brought you to that you bring to a poll regardless. Yep. So there's all kinds of interesting stuff. I, I was tweeting out a lot of it, um, but I, it's always a valuable conference to go to. I, I wish I could go every year. Going every other year seems to be working, but. Um, you you went last year. Maybe we're kind of trading off on our a poor years, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. And one day, one day, maybe we'll we'll go at the same time. We should we should we really should try to do a live show at some point. But we have two things coming up. That, well, it's not time to really roll them out yet. But we have two potentially things coming out live shows. Not at a poor later this year. Yep. Well, anyhow, very very thrilled to get to meet many of you who I'd never met before and to learn all sorts of cool stuff about where our industry is headed. Sweet. Okay. Maybe that's an, a subject for another Huffington Post poll. Like, like instead of Yanni versus Laurel, be some sort of like non-response. But which do you think? <laughs> How do you feel about IVRs versus online panels? Um, okay, so Trump, Trump's numbers. I mean, people are spending a lot of time talking about this. He's at forty-four, Mister Forty-four percent, forty-three point eight. I mean, you got to be pretty happy if you're this. Oh, he seems so happy, doesn't he? Well, <laughs> this is why. Did I mention like my my New York Times beef on the show last week that I there was a, an article written a couple weeks ago about a presentation I gave in Austin at Speaker I remember Ryan's reading that article retreat where I gave a presentation about the national political environment. And out of about 30 slides, I'd say maybe four to five of them talked about the president and his job approval number, like the rest were tax reform or voter enthusiasm in special elections and, you know, what have you. And yet, like, the sentence that made it into the story was like, pollster Kristen Soltis Anderson says Trump's destroying the GOP for the midterms. And I was really pissed. I was really pissed when I read that because, A, that's a totally fake news. No, I, The reporters did not come to me to say, hey, is this what you presented? Because I would have been happy to debunk it and tell them, hey, you're about to fake They weren't me. even there? That was just based on like, no. what they – oh, well, that, that. No, it was an off-the-record thing. And they had approached uh... me and said, hey, can you tell us what you presented? And I said, no, I've been asked by the organizers to just like – I can confirm to you that I was there, but I can't like share with my deck. Um, but then did not come back to me with like, well, we've got this other person saying that you said X. Oh, that's just – And that was just garbagey to me. And yeah. I was really pissed about it. because ne- And the reason why I was so pissed is because – it's not because I think that, like, Trump is this huge asset for the GOP, but, it, it, like, I was seeing what we're now seeing in Trump's job approvals not so bad and the generic ballots getting better. And it makes it sound like I'm like, oh, Republicans are all screwed and it's all Trump's fault. And it's a much more complicated story than that. And so I was mostly pissed, A, because I was blindsided, and B, because it was – that's not what I said. <laughs> like, that's not – my presentation was – I'm like pride of authorship. Like my presentation was much more nuanced and like it wasn't just <laughs> okay. Well, you know how it works. Now, I mean, it, why didn't they include all 400 pages of my text? Right. No. I mean, I I get it. <laughs> no, and look, know, they did ask me, can you give – you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. I No, but, I know. But – Not calling you after you said – yes, that's, that's a separate issue. But yeah. Um, I would say out of 
30 plus slides to say that my conclusion was we're going to yes. do bad in the midterms because of Trump is that is not the one sentence summary <laughs> I would have chosen or think is accurate. But whatever. Fair enough. Fair so enough. anyhow, I, I'm I'm frustrated because like these numbers are actually not surprising to me. Right. That, like Trump is doing better. Republicans are doing better. This is not a surprise. By the way, I should note the script has like yesterday's average. It's now a point higher in right now. I just clicked on the Huffington Post so average it's almost right now. Forty five. Forty four. Hold on. Glasses. Forty four point six. Yeah. Wow. Oh, we're rounding because we don't do decimals. <sighs> yes. Oh, no. We can you probably do, do decimals for average. For average. You yeah. don't do it for the poll. Itself. Well, whatever. It's yeah. Mr. 40 X percent. Yeah. So anyhow, that's. That's my defense of myself and my and what like this doesn't totally surprise me. I I really think that in the same way that before we record this show, we have to record like five to six seconds of what the ambient noise in the studio sounds like, so that you can you know <laughs> we can edit it out and y'all can hear our beautiful voices without Richard. Richard does his magic. I think that's what voters are doing. Like all of the. What's going on with the investigations I feel like has become ambient noise. But you have some polling on what people think about these investigations. So maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah. No, I mean, so there are a couple things, right? I mean, and we can talk about the economy. There was a CBS poll we're going to talk about a little bit more that showed, you know, I I think it was over half feel that they give Trump some credit for the economy, either some or a lot. That's consistent with what we've been talking about in in other times and places. We just did, remember my monthly Navigator poll that I'm part of with Jeff Pollack. We had him on the show a couple weeks ago. We have a new wave that came out where we cover a variety of different topics. Folks should go take a look at it, navigatorresearch.org. We have the whole memo and the whole top lines. And we did some questions about Mueller, the Mueller investigation, also about the cabinet, the various cabinet members in the news for various things. Also some stuff on Me Too covering off on what we learned in the last poll that people felt really worried and, and concerned about secret sexual harassment settlements in Congress as a as a form of corruption and abusive taxpayer dollars. So we wanted to poke at that a little bit more. Anyway, so about um, Mueller, and there's a lot in here, and I'm not going to go through all of it. But I think what's important, and this goes to your point about ambient noise, is, you know, one of the particularly persuasive arguments or or ways to frame this is to say, we need to let the investigation finish because it's already made significant discoveries. There have been 22 indictments or guilty pleas. So, you know, trying to boil down the gigantic amount of news into, you know, a, a couple of key facts and the 22 indictments is is pretty is 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 a pretty salient one. Also this sense that, you know, well, what's Trump hiding? You know, what's he hiding? If he's got nothing to hide, then then why doesn't he just, you know, let the investigation continue rather than, you know, m- you know, speak or have surrogates speak on his behalf that it's time to shut it down. What's he hiding? So those two ways of talking about it really resonate with folks. Um, and there's, you know, there, there's tons more in there. It's something that, you know, I think is is obviously going to continue. It's not going anywhere in the news. You have half of Americans say they've heard a lot about it. I mean, it is, it is you know, it is on people's minds. It's just a question of getting, you know, more of the facts out and, you know, making sure people, you know, say, well, what what's Trump hiding? Like, why is he not... Why doesn't he want to talk about this more? To what extent do you think any of this is going to be a voting 
issue. So, you know, you've got a lot of folks that will say, I gosh, I I wish that Congress was doing more oversight of the president or what have you. How much is that going to be like the thing that triggers someone to, to either turn out or not turn out or to vote? Democrat or not vote Democrat? So that's a good question. So, you know, what we're there's lots of polling and, you know, people are doing all kinds of different projects to figure out what they should talk about in their state or their area or what other issues people care about. This is more about reflecting back sort of the news that's going on. So this is not comparing the investigation to some other issue. That's not what we looked at in this in this uh, instrument. However, um, we did find that people really want Congress to walk and chew gum at the same time. They feel that Congress can and should do to be able to, you know, work on the economy, work on keeping people safe, as well as hold Trump accountable. Like we don't need to, you know, we shouldn't have to choose between those two things. And majorities feel that they can't really trust or are, are, do not approve of the job that uh, Republicans are doing so far in holding Trump accountable, whether it's or handling the special counsel investigation. Um, it's something that, you know, people feel when we ask what phrase that describes all this. They use putting party over country or putting politics over country. That's the phrase that really rises to the top. So one of the, you know, in addition to the investigations, the other big issue that I think is driving Trump's numbers, but in a good direction, is the economy. Um, So CBS has some interesting polling where they're asking, who do people think Trump is looking out for? Do they think he's looking out for the interests of big business and the wealthy? 88% of people say yes. Do they think he's looking out for the interests of the working and middle class? 49% say yes to that. Notably, this is the CBS News Nation Tracker, which is done by YouGov. So this is an online poll. I always like to flag anytime any of the major media polls like have moved to some new exciting method. I mean, I don't know that I guess YouGov, that was sample I. Especially when you don't cover our online polls, media outlets. That's just at all media outlets generally, not... CBS specifically. Um, <laughs> I get. I have a specific media outlet that I have beef with about not covering online polls. But we, I, I knew I was kind of trolling you, but I have I had the same issue too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but the, the number that I think is good for Trump. Well, first of all, I think forty nine percent of people saying they think Trump is looking out for the working and middle class. Like that's pretty close to where his job approval is. I, that's in some ways, I think that's a better number than you might expect. Um, That means there are people that say I disapprove of him, but I do think he's working out for he's looking out for the working middle class. Right. So I I don't know that it's good news for the White House. I don't know. I I don't mean to quibble too much. I don't know about the phrase working and middle class. That's true. I don't know if a different phrase would have gotten a different answer. That's not really my my quibble because I don't know. I don't know that. But it's, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's double barrel, but like what, if we don't really use the phrase working class here, particularly, that's not sort of an American, we say working people, but we don't say working class or something about that. That's not, not in common or common vernacular. And when you say working and middle class, like, what does that mean? Does that mean like, are those two different things or the same thing? So anyway, just sorry. Sorry, not to digress. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 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 other piece of good news in here, though, I think, is this question of: Do you think President Trump's policies are responsible for the current state of the economy? Um, and I guess this doesn't, therefore, ask like: Is that a good or a bad thing? Right. I am assuming that it's a good thing right. that the White House would like to be taking credit for the economy. But I know there are many Democratic strategists who would say, "Well, just because the stock market's doing well and unemployment is low doesn't mean cost of living. You know, people are still having to spend tons on health care, and or they feel fra- like it's fragile recovery." Sure. So it's it's I think still a question of 
how much does the Trump administration, I I think the Trump administration would very much so like to be seen as responsible for the economy. Um, And so 35% saying a great deal and then another 33% saying at least somewhat, that's, I mean, that's 68% of people that think Trump is at least partially responsible for what's going on in the economy. And if the economy is good, that's, it makes it less surprising for me to see the generic ballot do the way it's doing. Yep. Yep. And, you know, they have there. There are two questions here, and then we can move into some of the generic stuff. And this goes to the question you asked me a couple minutes ago. So they asked one question among Democrats. They asked a question among Republicans. If you had to choose which is more important to you for in a Democratic candidate for Congress, you know, among Democrats, three fourths said the first priority is to promote a progressive agenda, and about a quarter said oppose Donald Trump's agenda. They asked a similar question among Republicans, is your first priority to promote Trump's agenda or to promote a traditionally conservative agenda? Among Republicans, you had more say promote Trump's agenda than you had Democrats say to oppose Trump's agenda. Yeah. I don't know if that's like this is an oversimplification of all the things out there, you know, because not everybody identifies as traditionally conservative or as progressive in each of the parties and et cetera, et cetera, you know, or even see those things as mutually exclusive. There's a you know, variety of other stuff there, but that, or there is a party difference that is perhaps illustrative. Well, on the CBS News poll then asked, you know, for their congr- for congressional elections, would you prefer to vote for a Republican more independent from Trump, a Republican more in line with Trump, a progressive or liberal Democrat or a moderate Democrat? So the Democrat one is split by ideology. The Republican one is split by Trumpitude. On the Democrat one, it's split pretty evenly. 22% say progressive or liberal Democrat. 23% say moderate Democrat. The Republican side, there is it is much less evenly balanced. Nine, only 9% of voters say they want a Republican who's independent from Trump. 34% say, I want a Republican who's in line with Trump. The Trump takeover, like, it is complete. It has happened. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the 9% who are like, well, I'm Republican, but I like my independence from Trump, like... Every time people say, oh, you, you're just being like you're just being critical of the president because that's that's like good for your it's like a careerist move. Like, are you kidding me? Being a Republican who's critical of Trump puts you in that the tiniest bucket over there. It is <laughs> that is not the cool kids table. <laughs> it's not. That is people who have decided they're going to retire. That's where <laughs> that's you. That's where you are. You're at a Republican retirement party now. But the thing about this question is that so the Republican Answer categories, as you know, are reference Trump. The Democratic ones, to, to be truly parallel, would say, you know, a Democrat who would work with Trump if it's in the interest of their state or something, maybe, and a Democrat who's going to just like shiv Trump whenever he gets a chance or, you know, oppose Trump's, you know, policies whenever they get a chance. So anyway, so it's a little bit different of a of a question. Well, the generic ballot is looking better for Republicans. Um, but before we do that, first, we have a word from our sponsor. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google/certificates. All right. So now that we've talked about wine, Margie, you ready to talk about the generic ballot? (laughs) 
sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't mean to troll you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know one point change to the generic ballot. It's just going to lead me to start drinking at 11 a.m. No. Yeah. So the generic ballot moves with Trump's approval rating. Right. And so there's, you know, there is something happening. The question is, is it a lot of something happening or is it a little bit of something happening? And either way, is it something that somebody can respond to in some way and change it? Or is this just, you know, things move, right? Things move up and down. But, you know, you can see, you see a little bit more of a tightening than you had, you know, even last week. Now it's plus three Democratic average, according to RCP. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, that's tighter. We've had double-digit Democratic advantages and, you know, with over, within the past, you know, few months. So this is definitely a tightening. Um, you know, Reuters, I think, is probably a big contributor to that because they should Republicans up in the generic for the first time, the first time ever this cycle, first I think. First time since the, in the Trump presidency. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, Republicans should not open the champagne. They should continue to run like they are 10 points down, period, end of story. But you got to be feeling a little better yeah. if you're a Republican now than you were a couple of weeks ago. Um, there were two House races that got moved a touch in their one step in their ranking. I mean, just, you know, folks who are kind of OG pollsters listeners probably remember having um, Charlie Cook on and we've had Dave Wasserman on and we've had some other handicappers on who follow all the different House races and give them various rankings based on, you know, how they're doing, uh, various kinds of, you know, atmospherics, fundraising, et cetera. And so um, people who, you know, very closely watch how these different ratings get moved and they're just to give people a sense, not just based on polling, based on all kinds of things. So two different races got moved one step toward Republican. Almost all the changes that we've seen this cycle have been in the Democratic direction. You know, every time there's like a release of new ratings, they're almost always moving things in the Democratic direction. So this is the first time that I can remember, I may be wrong, that anything was moved in the Republican direction. Now, you know, does what does that mean? Does that mean that there's going to be a wave in the other direction? Or does it mean that there's less of a wave or is it just, you know, just sort of ebbs and flows? Yeah, I think in some cases, I believe and I believe I saw this from John Favreau's Twitter feed that he was explaining that two of the big shifts have been because it's California races where it seems likely that the Democratic vote in this kind of jungle primary situation will be split so severely that two Republicans will make it to the final two. And that that is what it has caused those races to shift. So some of it's not necessarily just good political environment for the GOP. Some of it is like what's going on with Democratic primaries or who's winning in certain places or how they're likely to shake out. But still, you got to be you got to be happier as a Republican now than a couple of weeks ago. I think one of them was also just who emerged from a primary. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, the other thing is we're going to continue to see how these primaries evolve. Uh, you know, we've just really started primary season. And I think as folks are looking at some of these primaries, and whether it's the Georgia one or the Texas 7 or, you know, there are other, there are other primaries where people wanted to kind of put on the Democratic side, like – this is a battle for the heart and soul of the Democratic Party, you know, like you're, you know, super liberal or you're like a moderate establishment person. And that it's like this real like, you know, relitigation of 2016 presidential primary. And like, you know, do you have to pick between your enthusiastic, like hardcore base or like some other group? And 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 
there's so much more happening in these races than that. Like that's, you know, just kind of like the easy way to look at some of these races when there's so much more happening on the ground besides that. And, you know, that's the first thing. And the, the second thing is, you know, you can be exciting and be moderate. <laughs> like you can be, you know, a boring ultra progressive. Like there's something about like, oh, we want to be have somebody like it really excites people. Like I have races. I have candidates who are like they are lighting the world on fire and they are not necessarily like the most ideologically liberal person. I mean, it, it, they don't have to be. They are often linked, but they don't have to be linked. And so for folks wanting to kind of look at all these races and just say, this is a Bernie Hillary proxy battle, whatever, like there's just there's usually a lot more going on, like your 40 page deck. There's way more <laughs> happening there. I know people don't want a 40 page deck on all these races, but just, you know, but that's I mean, I just urge people to not look at all these Democratic primaries as just like a variety of like battles for the progressive soul of the party. Well, there is one primary that really stood out as the one that I was seeing the most traffic about in my feed last night, and that was in Georgia, the Democratic primary for governor, Stacey Abrams versus Stacey Evans. And uh, in that primary, you had polls leading up to Election Day really showing Abrams with a pretty strong lead Um, on the Democratic side. uh, There was a poll coming from uh, Fox 5 Atlanta and Opinion Savvy that had Abrams up by 39. It was a uh, 58 to 19 race. Uh, the final result, uh, that gets the Evans number pretty close. Final result was Evans at 23, per, uh, pardon me, 23 percent. Um, Abrams at 76 percent. So in some ways, the polls underestimated the extent of the Abrams victory. Right. I mean, I have barely opened my wink bottle by the time they called the race. We were like, what? They called this race already? I mean, it was, you know, quite something that was called very, very early in the evening. I mean, you know, this, I think, it's, I mean, it's, it's super exciting. I mean, here's the thing that, uh, let me just pause and say, there are a lot of really great candidates for, in the Maryland Democratic primary for governor. There are lots of great candidates. I'm super pleased about the bench. Um, there was a tweet from Ben Jealous who said, I met Stacey Abrams when we were young, and she told me she was going to be the first African-American woman for governor. And like, and he's running for governor. There's a picture of them when they were like in college, wow. or right out of college. And I was like, that is really, that's just, you know, that is just great for the Democratic Party that we have all these diverse candidates running all over the country. And, you know, I just think it's awesome. Well, that's not a polling comment. That's just <laughs> <laughs> my re- leftover reaction from reading tweets last night. Well, you know what week it is, Margie? What week it always is? Um, Shark week? (laughs) Infrastructure week. It's always infrastructure week. You know, I was on the metro last week. You know when there was like a chase on the metro? Somebody, I don't know if you heard this. So somebody was like on the tracks and there was like a police chase on the metro. And so the red line was shut down for 45 minutes. And so... Like all of Tacoma Park was in the train just waiting. Maybe Richard was there too. Like there was, you know, you just sat there long enough and eventually all your neighbors would show up because the train had been there for so long. And and I, and so I said, good thing it's infrastructure week. <laughs> I was like, why why is the train not laughing hilariously? Like and my hilarious joke, like because <laughs> like, we were on, you know, we were on the train for 45 minutes. Anyway, they did a, Mom with our friends at Mom did a poll. 
yeah, about and, infrastructure. And we- I think what's fascinating about this poll is they weren't just asking questions like, do you think you win- roads need more funding? Because the answer to that is always yes. If you've ever played SimCity, you know that to be true. You, yes. You cannot cut infrastructure funding without causing massive backlash problems. But here what they did was they had questions where they just alter one piece of the question and see if the results shook out differently. So if you ask about is the federal government spending the right amount, not enough or too much on transportation infrastructure projects, you find it that uh, you know only about 19 percent say right amount, 62 percent say not enough. They think they want the federal government to spend more, whereas when you ask about your state – slightly more are willing to say, yeah, okay, I think I think it's about right. Um, is that real awareness of who spends what or is it because they just like think the federal government can't tie their own shoelaces? It's pro- I would suspect it's more of the latter. Uh, they also ask about the difference between roads and bridges. How many of the roads in your area do you think need urgent repair versus bridges? Um, roads, most of or some of them is 65 percent compared to bridges, which is uh, much less at about 43 percent. So people are much more concerned about roads than bridges. Yeah. I mean, I've been seeing, I've been hearing people and seeing this come up in surveys and focus groups recently. I mean, it's not necessarily what gets people out of bed in the morning thinking about their government per se. On the other hand, it is a real symbol of whether or not your government is capable of functioning. Most people do not love the transportation infrastructure in their area, which should come as no surprise. We know people don't tend to think government works super great. Um, So you wind up with about 64 percent of people who say the transportation infrastructure in their area is only fair or poor. But people are more split on whether this has any economic impact. 25 percent say that the state of their local transportation infrastructure makes the economy grow. Another 25 percent say it holds them back. And... 45% 45% say it has no difference. Hmm. So, you know, a lot, which is, what's relevant about that is a lot of times I will hear folks want to make the argument, we need to do X because it is important for our economy. Mm-hmm. And this suggests people aren't totally on board with those messages, at least as it pertains to local infrastructure. Yeah. Well, you got to make it exciting. <laughs> Speaking of exciting. <laughs> Speaking of exciting. Let's wrap on some transportation. Of auto racing. <laughs> Uh, the that was Indy. one of our better segues, I have I, to say. And that was on the fly, too. It's all downhill after this. <laughs> the Indy 500 is this weekend. Uh, I'm a big – I like auto racing. Um, my dad was, like, always into auto racing when I was growing up. And uh, so I have held on to this a little bit. I can't say that I'm, like, deep in the weeds on what's going on in the IndyCar circuit. Or you know, my sister worked for NASCAR for a little while, but I'm not, like, super up on – on that, but like putting the Indy 500 on over Memorial Day weekend is always a fun, a fun thing to do. And so I went hunting for some polling on who watches IndyCar or NASCAR. Found some fairly old data. I think this is actually from like 2011. So it's this is super dated. So sorry I added this to the script, it's but fine. we needed something funny. So it turns out the people who watch IndyCar, uh, 68% are male. Uh, most tend to be on the older side. You only wind up with um, about 16.5% of IndyCar viewers are under the age of 30. They are mostly white, 86.4%. Um, it, what's also interesting is they, it's got the, the very slightly, I mean, these differences are like tenths of a point, um, but very slightly higher income watches IndyCar compared to uh, NASCAR, um, NHRA, which is 
hot rods. It's drag racing. Um, mm. And then supercross, motocross. Uh, it's IndyCars, I guess, has the most economically upscale audience. Huh. But just a little bit. Right. But, yep, interesting demographic findings from a really old poll. Okay. <laughs> Um, it's methodologically a good poll. It's conducted by like a, a credible market research agency. It's just an old poll. <laughs> yeah. So. No, I'm sure. I mean, it's probably not particularly volatile, right? But maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it's changed. Maybe viewership is becoming older. Or maybe they're reaching out to women. I don't know. Well, Danica Patrick is in the fast not. She's going to be in one of the first nine mm. spots for this year's Indy 500. I'm very sad because Pippa Mann, who is a British female IndyCar driver, she failed to qualify. Oh. Uh, they changed the way qualifying worked and like two people. So they have 35 try to qualify. 33 make it to the race, and the two people who didn't qualify was her and this guy James Hinchcliffe, who I think won Dancing with the Stars at some point recently, or anyhow, he's like a beloved IndyCar driver, and so it's kind of like a, a big sad deal that they were the two that didn't make the cut. You are in the real like outer space of my level of knowledge. <laughs> I have pushed, I have pushed talking about the sports ball to the maximum limits. Excellent. Like, are you still speaking in English, or is this like some ac- new accent that I don't know? Okay. Um, what okay. did we learn this week? Okay, so I don't know if there are things we shouldn't use polls for, but Yanni versus Laurel is not one of those things. We can definitely use polls for that. Um, if it's such good news week for, for Republicans, then what's Trump hiding? For folks who want to learn more, they can look at our latest navigator. And just like polling never takes a holiday, Infrastructure Week never takes a holiday. And speaking of holidays, have a great Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy some sports. Break out your white shoes, beer, whatever it is, whatever floats your boat. You can find us on Twitter at, at the Pollsters, individually at, at Mardio Mero and at Casoltis Anderson. You can find us at www.thepolsters.com or on Facebook. Make sure you send us uh, send us love, write a review, tweet at us. We'd yep. love to hear from you, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>